This is the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod. Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! The only podcast where the host actually admits to driving a minivan. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be And now your host, TJ. So take two, or would this be take three of the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod? After a week off, um, I'm joined tonight by by managing editor of Hot Time in Old Town. We have Pat with me tonight. Hello, TJ. But we do not have the other half of our triumvirate. Uh, good old conspiracy Chris, the soccer Breitbart himself, is pleased out of the country, which leaves me some concerns about whether he's going to be able to get back in. Who can be sure what he's doing? It, it's a secret. We know he's alive. But yeah, that's and that's about, about all, all we know. know. Yeah. So, so we, as I put on Twitter, we did a show last week, and by the end of it, we didn't like it. So you so don't get did, to hear it. So you don't get to hear it. We decided yeah. that it was just it was. By the time we decided what things we want to take out, there wasn't much left. We thought it was crap, and just decided, you know what, we'll try and record while we're up in Wisconsin. Then, of course, I lost my voice. So it just. It simply just it didn't happen last week. So maybe we'll get time to go back and rehash last week's. But I see. Let's just let's start it with. It doesn't matter. It we're, doesn't matter. We're ready to move on with our lives. I think we are. And lots of things are going on too. Lots of things. There are lots of things. There, there are. And um, I'm and I'm going to start. I'm really going to kick this part over to you, because in your role of managing editor of Hot Time in Old Town, you have been all over the Chicago Fire beat. Chicago Fire Football Club, I should say, not the not the television show, the football club, and a lot of their moves. They've added to their coaching staff. Um, they have signed their first designated player, and lots they of haven't things coming done that up. yet. That's not official yet. No, that is not a thing that is official yet. Okay, it's in the. They've done lots of things tonight. though. That is just not a thing that they've officially done. So let let's start with what they've officially done, and then we'll go to some of the rumors and. Some and maybe some of the other things, and we'll kind of work from there. Uh, well, so so yeah. I actually, I'll, you know what? I'll kick it. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on you there, but let's let's kick it off with the one, the biggest news. They added, they subtracted from their TV commentary team and removing Frank Klopas from there, and have returned him to the bench as an assistant coach for Rafael Vicky. Um, yeah, in a move that uh, it's fair to say. Warmed the hearts of even the coldest, angriest fire fans. Like literally, I haven't seen. I can't remember the last thing this club did that everybody liked. And this is something that pretty much everybody likes: is seeing Frank return to the bench. It, it, I mean, not only is it great for him because, like, he's, you know, one of our all-time most legendary players and, and a very popular figure, but. I think it's a smart move because you have all these new people and you have an old guard steadying hand who can kind of show Raphael Vicky the ways of MLS. So, um, so, you, so it's you a good move. It, no, it, it absolutely is. Um, in watching Frank do commentary the last few years, you, you could tell he still has a mind for the, his mind reading of the game is everything. It's still really, really good. And I think, you're right. Navigating the waters of MLS, probably some of the nuances, some of the rules. He'll be a good source for a transition, and I, I was pleasantly surprised to see the reaction of that. He, I, 
I heard somebody read on Twitter. Somebody referred to him as Mr. Fire. Really, from he is Mr. Fire. He is probably. I would say he bleeds red and red and white, but at this point, he's probably navy navy blue, uh, red and gold. So sure. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a smart move, and and he is, I think, in a column about a week ago, the the is it time to panic column. I told you guys that. Um, I expected the coaching staff to fill out and then the, the big name signings to happen after that. And the coaching staff is basically filled out now. We know a lot of the people are who are coming back, and we know they added a goalkeeper coach, again, Aiden Brown, who was with um, Timbers and Timbers 2. And then uh, a guy named John Grace is going to be a performance coach. He was last at Orlando City, also did some work with the Orlando Pride. So, um, yeah, the staff, there's one additional staff spot to still be hired from what I understand. But it's basically, this is it. These are the guys uh, who are going to lead us forward. So next up, um, I think it's fair to say that things are very far along with Robert Barrick, the Slovenian striker um, who played for Saint-Antienne in, in Ligue 1. Um, I don't have all the details on it, but I believe I believe that this one's going to happen. I, now, whether he's a DP or they use some of the uh, cap space that they cleared by... Uh, wiping out Marcelo's contract and are able to buy him down and, and hold that slot open for somebody else. I don't know the details of that. Um, that may still be being worked out, but uh, to say that he's coming here, I, I have not been told that officially, but I feel like this one's the, this one's done. There's a bunch of other rumors out there that, uh, um, you know, Pizarro and, and some other guys that, that maybe they've talked to and, and, and have looked at, I'm sure there have been a number of, you know, feelers put out, Hey, are you interested? Would you be interested? Like try to pare down who they could actually, who would be interested in coming and then kind of go from there. But I think that that one's going to happen. Okay. And what, what are the, some, what are some of the other names you're hearing at this point? I mean, it, it, everything I've heard, read on Robert Barrick is, it's a solid signing. It's not spectacular, and it, as I mentioned on Twitter, I don't, I don't need spectacular. I don't need as much as Chicharito be nice. He would draw a ton of people into Soldier Field. It'd be great. I don't. I want somebody who's going to come in that's going to lead, going to help get wins. They don't have to be flashy. They don't have to be big names. You look at, um, you know, teams like the Portland Timbers. You know. I'd say Seattle Sounders other than Deuce. These aren't names that are huge names that you go to see, but they're really good players. Yeah, and I, that's a good point. And I would, I would be willing to sacrifice the the glitz and glamour of these players. And then they and then they go, you know, and then from there they go on and become stars in MLS for, for the successes they do have. But these aren't names that everybody knows when they come in. So I guess, like I said, I... At this point, I want pe- players that are going to come in, fill vo- fill the holes that are, and there's numerous of them on the roster, and get some wins. That that's all I care about at this point. Um, and from there, like, what are the other names? What did so you? So we think um, Barrick is 
close. To I think Varric's happening. There's a number of them out there on Twitter that you can go search. I have no solid knowledge that any of them are happening, except to say that I believe they probably would have pursued a Mexican national teamer or two. They understand that that could be a big draw in uh, in Chicago. In addition, I think that that um, some Polish stars may have been, uh, they may have, uh, you know, at least talked to. But um, I feel like, you know, the reason why I said not to panic is I feel like things are starting to get done fairly quickly. They are farther along uh, privately than they have let people know publicly. Um, and I, I feel, I still feel optimistic. I want to see what they do. Um, and you know what? Like, I didn't know who Nemanja Nikolic was when he came here. And he did amazing in his first season for us. So maybe not say. last year, but, but you know, he won the Golden Boot in his first year. So it's, I think I had seen him play once in a, was it a Champions League game when Arsenal played in Poland? Um, I, I barely remembered. So I, it, there are guys out there, and I, 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 I do feel good about Heights and Vicky and their connections in Europe. I feel like they can, they have a handle on who might work well here. Um, it just might not end up being a flashy big name, but that would be fun. So sure, and and to be fair. As you know, and I, I've mentioned this in in past episodes about Nico, and I kind of wanted to just step back to that. They had a baby at the beginning of the year. I guarantee he was that. And you've got two children. You understand that transition from one to two. Yeah, even if his his wife was doing everything, literally everything, that's still hard because he's and you know it's correct. Just, it changes the vibe on everything. So, um, and I can't imagine having to perform at optimal athletic ability with a newborn but people do it all the time to be fair so sure and but he but he did bounce back after about the first six weeks or so once he came back into the starting lineup he was solid the rest of the year he wasn't as spectacular as he was last year but to be fair a lot of that team wasn't so yeah they you know what like i don't want to rehash that team but no they were a great team on paper they should have been a better team when they were executed and you know, and, and we spoke about this on our drive up to Wisconsin. It was this is a team that had the potential to be a solid playoff team. Maybe maybe not an MLS Cup winning team, but on paper with the number of sitters they missed and untimely goals. And that's a whole nother show for a whole nother time as to where the blame goes from there. Is it something you put back on Ponovich? Is it on the players? And that was something we really never could um, ascertain a solution to, or even even a, a logical conclusion. It was just like unsure. It seemed like you know what though. Like here's everybody loves to crap on the old owner, and I don't think that he did a lot of things well. But they had the third highest payroll last year, so it's not like he was cheap. At least with payroll, there are some other issues with with personnel and facilities and stuff like that 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 you could raise, but. Um, and, you know, if, if you look at who they brought in, it was not, I mean, I was excited about the Dax signing. I was excited about Nico once he got rolling and, and Basti and obviously was, was amazing to have for, for those years. But um, it just was a woefully 
underperforming team compared to what you would expect. So, you know, I think they were third in MLS in expected goals. Um, if they had made at least, you know, a few more, they would have walked into the playoffs. So um, you probably didn't have to, in theory, blow up this team, but I kind of feel like you did. They, they, I, I feel like they have recognize that if you're going to move to soldier field, you're going to rebrand, even if you don't like it. Um, if you're going to tweak the name, if you're going to change the colors, you're going to change the coaching staff, you're going to change the general manager. You're going to, it, it needs to feel new on the field too. So um, well, we'll see if they get it right. I hope they do. And, and realistically, I'm actually fine. Like you said, on paper, this team should have been better. But if you're going to bring in a new technical director, you're going to bring in a new, um, a new manager in in Vicky and what and whatnot. You got to let them put their players on the field. I I don't know. Yeah, you don't know it's... how much they would have had, how much they would have wanted the players that were currently there. So um... I, what I like about this is I think that Mansueto was slow to fire Pano and bump Nelson over to the business side of things. Because I, my only argument is, and he, he talked about this in, in the Sun-Times piece that you know he wanted to think on it, but um, it would have given them a little more time if he had made the decision sooner. But maybe he didn't know if he wanted to make it. But besides that, they have done things in the right order. They, you know, the, from top down. So everybody is accountable for their own decisions now. True. I mean, and, and that's... And that's it, true. I mean, no, that's not my guy. Because in any walk of life, not just in sports, but in any walk of life, if you run into that's not my guy or that's not my woman, um, that that can be a toxic thing that, that gets created in, in a true. You know, I mean, he, he moved Nelson over. He brought in George Heights. George Heights brought in Raphael Vicky. And then, you know, and Vicky brought in Sebastian Peltzer and uh, uh, Frank Lopez. Aiden Brown, which, by the way, you said he played for Portland Timbers and, and um, uh, Timbers too. That was at the end of his career. He is predominantly with the Colorado Rapids and the. Uh, That's where he was Revolution. coaching. Oh, he's coaching. Okay. Yeah, he uh, played at say, the very end of his career with the Timbers, and he coached correct several seasons with the Timbers and Timbers too. He actually is the one that unseated. He's actually the one that unseated Jurgen Summer in New England. If you want to go back that far, former U.S. national team player. So, I just thought that was an interesting little thing, but. So in, in addition, you know, the, the rebrand continues to be unpopular on, on social media. But we did, speaking of on social media today, we did get to see a glimpse of at least the new warm-up top in uh, was a body armor commercial, right? Or yeah, we're, uh, we're partnering with the Kobe Bryant drink, body armor. Um, that's the new hydration fuel of choice or I don't know how they're phrasing it, but they have a, they have a sponsorship partnership with body armor. So do some other MLS teams. And yes, the warmup was in the, uh, CJ Sapong was wearing the warmup in the, um, little promos that they were shooting for that. And I, I have, I don't like the logo itself, but we talked about this and I don't understand why this is true. The logo looks better on clothes than it does digitally. Well, and we talked. We I spoke don't get about it. this. Well, no, and we 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 actually did talk about this on the drive up. You, the shape. The shape. Yeah, of it. I feel like from for social media they should have gone with a circle instead of an oval. I feel like it plays better 
not that everything involves around social media, but I feel like a circle crest, if they're going to change it up instead of a oval would have been like, for me, the, the biggest changes would be, I would prefer it to be a circle. I would prefer it to have, I don't like the, the font that they used and the letters. I think it's too skinny and doesn't show up well on, on, you know, digitally. Um, the crown is honestly the thing that I dislike the least. Like I, I, everybody points to the crown, but what, when they sent out the, the uh, mock-ups that had all the different symbols that had CFFC, it had the crown by itself. The crown by itself, I didn't think was terrible. And I know that people don't like crowns and crowns don't fit Chicago. And I've heard all the arguments before. I'm not sold on the logo, but I also am tired of arguing about the logo. Maybe they'll change it to the, in the future to something else. Maybe they'll change it back. I don't know. I'm ready to move on on that and just see how it looks on the field and, and hope the jerseys are cool. Well, I like the warm-up. I, I did too. I, I, I was not against the warm-up. And as I've had pictures on social media and I've been around, I have one of the hats and I didn't think it looked terrible either. Um, on you, but everything looks bad on you. Well, there's that. I mean, we can always go with that piece of it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you kind of touch on it. Well, February fifth, will February fifth, I believe it is. We'll find out about the how the jerseys look if they're going to be and what on how they're going to go forward with that. But that's the key. I I've got a closet full of jer- of soccer jerseys. I don't remember many of them that I purchased because the badge looked cool. It's everything else, and I I feel like. If they can get the jersey right and make it look good, and there is the potential for that, there'd be some a, a bit of goodwill there. Just like the the Frank Klopas thing was universally just absolutely loved by the haters of the fire, not necessarily the haters of the fire, but the haters of everything modern about the fire. Um, Let's all the way just... up to like people who are ready to you know ready for change. Everybody liked to see Frank in the, uh, you know, I guess the bad thing is he's leaving TV because I liked him on TV, but um, everybody likes to see Frank joining the coaching staff. So, I mean, that's, that's a good move. And, and New Jersey's, not the state of New Jersey, because that does nobody any good, but New Jersey's that look good would go a long way toward building some more goodwill, as would, you know, a big name signing or two. But like you uh, said, like, you know like, what? Well, I'd rather win. That's the biggest thing. I just want to well, win. I want to. I want to make a playoff run this year. I want to win a U.S. Open Cup. I want to do something because we've done nothing for so long that I just. I just want to see the team win. I don't care what the logo looks like. And honestly, if they win, maybe I'll like the logo. It's. It's. Just it's, win. It's, well, and that and that's kind of it. I, and I do want to. You know, there's been some backlash with the prospect or the likelihood it sounds like of Chicharito going out to the LA galaxy. And um, there's a lot of yeah, people that there's, there's people talk that about seem, this. you want to talk about this one. So the idea that the fire, and I, I wrote in a piece on, on the website that, that anybody with a brain would have seen that Chicharito was plan a. And so the idea that they didn't go after him. There, there's there's all these leaps that are made in in soccer transfers that that bother me. 
you see a report that a team is talking to a player, and then that player doesn't end up going to that team, and people go, that report was wrong. The report might, might not have been wrong. The team might have been talking to the player, and it just didn't happen. It doesn't mean the wording of the report was, report was correct. Same thing in this case. People are saying, well, the fire didn't talk to Chicharito. Maybe they didn't. I don't know if they did or did not, but I do know that the league would have seen it as a priority. That's been reported. The league saw it as as basically plan A for Chicago. I believe they probably did too, and it just was a matter of, and I don't even know if it was a matter of money. I think it was a matter of Chicharito wanted to go live in Los Angeles instead of Chicago and play for a, a basically MLS's most storied franchise instead of uh, the fire, a team that's struggled for a long time. So I don't, you know, it's very possible that they did go after him. It's maybe even possible they offered him more money than what he was getting in LA. And he just and, didn't want to come here. Right. And and that's just kind of it is if Ch- if Chicharito wanted to come to Chicago, they would have made it happen. It I, I get the sense and I'm, I have yet to see anything that contradicts this. Mansueto's not doing anything on the cheap. He didn't like Bridge. He thought Bridgeview didn't like Bridgeview. So what did he do? He bought out the lease. That wasn't cheap. You know, he moved him back to Soldier Field with the idea, hey, we can do better. We can do better at Soldier Field than we're doing at Bridgeview, if, even if Bridgeview was full. So we did that. He did a complete rebrand, which, like I said, we've talked about that until it's dead. But he spent money on it. I mean, he didn't spend. He spent quite a bit of money on it with the whole concept of a rebrand, all that stuff. That all cost money. He's not doing anything on the cheap. He went out. And, it seems like he got himself a good technical director, a good manager. It's he's doing things the right way. And honestly, the name that doesn't that keeps coming back up and doesn't seem to be going as away is one Rodolfo Pizarro. And the fact that MLS's own website says he has an offer out there from an MLS side, which the only one that's been connected to has been the fire. That that would would be. Uh fantastic move if you're not going to get chicharito if you got pizarro i feel like you're getting the better end of the deal he's younger yeah but and and it would it would likely only be honestly for a year or two not going to lie about that he's he has ambitions for europe if he's as good as they think he is he's going to go to europe got it but if he can be here for a year or two why not yeah I, i don't know if you know, this is one where the wording of the story is 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 crucial, right? Again, like I I, I believe, yeah, they probably talked to him. Um, does that mean that he's going to come? I don't know. I think it would be amazing if he does. I think that would be, you know, there's there's this like Venn diagram you can draw of players who can draw and players who can actually help the team win, and you know, there are plenty of guys like Nemanja Matic who I think kind of sit outside that. I, I don't think he – I honestly think he sits outside both circles. I don't think he would be a big draw, and I don't know how much he has left in the tank. But I think Pizarro is a guy who kind of sits in the middle of the of the Venn diagram. I think he would be a draw, not as much as Chicharito. Chicharito is – somebody described him as the most famous Mexican person to ever walk the planet. I think that was Grant Wall. And you think about it, and he might be right. Um, but he's younger and he could end up being better in MLS. And I just feel like, you know, him running, you know, that position of the midfield would be 
a lot of fun to see. So hopefully that one is going to come along. Sure. And the, the other name that seems to be gaining traction is one Camille Josviak um, from Polish. Yeah, I've heard that Polish name. International. Yeah, that, that's, that's been out there. Um, and I think there was a Polish paper that, that wrote that one up as, you know, that the fire approached. Um, but I, I've heard good things. He's a guy I've heard good things about, but I don't honestly know how good he really is. It'd be, I mean, to have two Polish stars though with, with him and Frankowski would be pretty fun. So, um, well, he, I mean, he's been playing for, let's say, Lech Poznan. You know, he's been with them since 16. He's been loaned out a couple of times, but he's got 86 appearance. Yeah, he's 21, 11, I think, 11 too, goals, so. but he's only 21. Yeah. He got his first international, full international cap for Poland last year. This is, this is, this is a kid that the future seems bright for. I think it would be, again, I think it would be a great move. But these are not, again, this is back to the premise we talked about earlier, is these are not, okay, Pizarro's a great, you know, that's that's an outstanding name. But this is another one that with the kind of like Barrett, not a, not necessarily a sexy name in the sense of world-renowned like Matic or anybody else that they've, you know, Chicharito. But if he brings wins, I don't care. And, and I feel like that all, that he would, as, I, I believe he would be one that brings some wins in and that's at the end of the day that's going to be you know as we've talked about on multiple occasions that's going to be the success or failure of this rebrand is winning they have lost for so long the rebrand kind of ties in with let's start over and see where we're at yeah go from there so yeah so lots of things happening and i think it's fair to say some things are going to be happening more things are going to be happening very soon. Sure. And, um, and then, and then, and I'm sure next week we'll have some more stuff to talk about with that, but, uh, let's kind of change gears. Seeing we kind of started all this crazy idea of doing soccer news and soccer commentary and all that with us fan TV and the U S national team. It seems like us soccer has decided, you know, when they said, Hey, in January, there's going to be some hires. They meant it. And this last week they decided, Hey, we're going to, Definitely, we're going to definitely get guys who want to live in Chicago and one with a new general manager who will be reporting to Ernie Stewart and Brian McBride. And they hired a U15 coach in Gonzalez Agaris. Um, Two guys who live in Chicago. Imagine that. Yeah. But yet, they, but yet, they, well, I'd say, but yet they didn't want Ponovich, who, but he doesn't live in Chicago. He lives in Naperville. So well, maybe not so much. I, with him. <laughs> I would hope that would still count, but. But yeah, it's, uh, I think, you know, two former Chicago Fire players um, and two guys who are, you know, we talked about the um, the Frank Lopez hire being something that was kind of universally loved. I think the McBride hire was kind of the same, almost the same level of acclaim with, with U.S. soccer fans. I mean, it, McBride is a very likable guy. He's a really nice guy. He was a player that a lot of people admired. Um, and I think a lot of people were excited about that, that he's going to be now the middleman between Ernie and Greg. So um, 
we shall yeah. see how that works out. But I like Brian McBride, and I, I hope that having him there will, you know, maybe he'll be the contrarian that Greg needs at times or the, you know, the support that he needs at times. Hopefully things can get rolling with, with U.S. soccer again and we can get excited about what the national team's trying to do on the men's side. It was it was an interesting hire in the sense of, I don't know what Brian McBride had been doing previously where you sat there and said, hey, this is a really good idea. This is somebody, like Ernie Stewart was in a role when he came in. You kind of like, that makes sense based on what he was doing previously. I'm not as sure about Brian McBride. And that's been the one question that seems to be out there is, did he do enough? What is he doing that would necessitate that hire? But he is universally loved. So I don't 100% know what he will do in this job at all. Like, forget his background for a moment or what he was doing. I'm not positive what this job does. Watches over Greg and decides whether to, you know, like, to, you know, maybe punish somebody... him or something. I, I don't, I, I'm. Greg selects the players. I mean, typically the general manager or sporting director or whatever you're going to call it in that role would be the person who brings the players in. But Greg's the coach and in a national team setting, he's going to be the one that selects the players. So I don't, I don't, I don't know what else he'll do, but maybe they don't know. Maybe they're just going to work something out. So we shall see. I guess the question becomes who gets the authority to fire triple G? Does it rest with McBride or does it rest with Ernie Stewart? I can't imagine McBride has the power to fire him. And that, and that could be then. And then now the question is, what is he really doing? Maybe it is, maybe it's essentially a scout on steroids in the sense of he's going to be the one recruiting some of these players. I have heard that that is one of the ideas that, yeah, he's going to be, he's going to be going after dual nationals. He's going to be going after, um, you know, people that we want to bring into the fold. So, um, and that I think he could be very good at. So maybe that's it. Um, yeah, his pedigree, I mean, his pedigree as far as U.S. soccer players history go is pretty much second to none. I mean, it's right up there. So Yeah, he's he's one of the greatest players we've ever produced. So Yeah, I again, I, I'm not against this, high, this, this hire by any stretch of the imagination. It seems like U.S. soccer needed to put some positive PR in place. And I feel like McBride does that because there's a, a lot of the fan base had soured a lot on Ernie Stewart. And I don't know if Triple G ever really got himself off the ground. And so I think this is a, I think this is a great move at the end of the day. You got to give I mean, you, you have to give them a little credit, too. I mean, they 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 had Triple G do a sit down with um, I like that that name is just stuck, too. Uh, he did a sit down with the AO guys, which I thought was a smart move on your soccer's behalf. Um, they have a, a comms Twitter account now that's there to answer questions um, that had a run in with somebody earlier <laughs> in this in the uh, winter here, but which was kind of funny, but I, I think they're getting that sorted out, maybe not attacking people who are attacking them because just like you know, whether it's the fire or U S soccer, lots of teams, anytime a team ever says anything on Twitter, they get attacked. And so you have to resist the urge to attack back. But I, you know, I, if we're going to criticize 
when things are bad, then I think we can give credit when things are good. And I, I think the McBride uh, hire is a good one. I think that, you know, Laura Harvey or as a youth coach on the women's side or, or Gonzalo Cigaris on the men's side, I think those are good calls. Um, I don't know about Anthony Hudson. We'll find out. Hey, you know what? You know, I'd say meatloaf. The meatloaf song is always, you know, there two you out go. of three. But this would be three out of four. I can live. I, I'm good with it. They're, the they're doing one, all right. It, they're, you're, they're, you're definitely yeah. doing all right. Um, the cigars one, I don't know much. I know he came. He was working with the Fire Academy at one point. Um, I did see that Larry Sunderland, who was the director of the Fire Academy, went to Portland. Now he's basically running the academy system in Cincinnati had a lot of, had some pretty strong high praise for Gonzalo Cigar. So I think, yeah, it can't be a bad he hire. was a coach and some, one of our listeners will know he was at a local club and I can't remember which one he was at here, but I know he's been around. So he's got he, experience coaching youth and, and uh, correct. And he, he was with, he, was originally with the fire Academy, I believe. Yeah. And then he left and went, I, and I don't, it might've been FC United. I can't remember which club he went to, but, um, he was at a local club. So, um, and to coach, you know, U 15s is a different animal than, than coaching adults. And he has been coaching, uh, teenagers for a while here. So that's good. I think that'll be a good hire. Yeah. And I, I like how you kind of left that one out there as a good transition piece. Coaching U15s is different than coaching other age groups. And so for those who are new to the show. I know what I'm show, doing, PJ. I know what I'm doing. Really? Damn. Maybe you should take over hosting duties then at some point. But anyway, back on back on courses. Um, as Pat mentioned, or we mentioned at the beginning of the show, Pat and I – Spent the, this past weekend up in Oshkosh and Green Bay, attending the first weekend of two weekends in the USSF Class D coaching coaching classes. And now so we just have a bunch of homework. We do have a bunch of homework, so we're taking time out of doing our homework. Alex, get back to doing your homework, by the way. <laughs> he can't wait for hot time because he doesn't have his homework done. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yes, we have a bunch of uh, we have a bunch of assignments now, and then we have to go back for a second week. But I, I will say, like, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if I was doing this just to get a piece of paper that says I'm a D licensed coach. What a fantastic experience! Like, it was long and draining. the The days are really long, um, but a great group of coaches, uh, a great group of of instructors. I mean, with with way more experience in the game than I will ever have. Um, we had some awesome kids that we got to coach. Uh, it was just, I, I thought it was fantastic. And I, you know, I don't agree. I, I think everybody's kind of skeptical with some of the things that, that when you get into the nitty gritty of it, that the U S soccer wants with this play practice play thing, they're, they're preaching at the grassroots level. But I will tell you this, the, the idea that kids want to play I ran in this the other night when I was coaching. We have a at, at the club I coach at. We have like a a supplemental session that's entirely technical stuff for a full hour. Like it's like basically soccer jazzercise, and some of the kids are just like mentally drained at the end of it. Not just physically drained, which I think they expected, but they want to play, 
And so that may be something we, you know, the, the idea that kids want to play first and foremost, it's why they're in the, in the game. And so th- that U S soccer is reminding everyone to make sure that playing soccer is the biggest thing that you do when you go to soccer um, is a good thing. Cause the rest of the world, as, as we had some foreign born members of our uh, class pointed out, they don't go to soccer in other countries like we do in America. They just go outside and play soccer. So I think they're and, on the right track. And, and I agree. And I don't, I, I don't know if you necessarily need to fully adapt play practice play. I know U S soccer. That's what they want fully adapted, but you do have to incorporate a lot more playing and the, the concept of game repetitions and, um, and Craig, uh, Craig had pointed out in our class, uh, Craig Carlson, who's the associate director of coaching for for the WISA, Wisconsin Soccer Association, pointed out, you can practice till you're blue in the face, you know, bringing the ball down with your chest or bringing it down off your thigh or whatever, trapping the ball in front of you. But will you do it with somebody barreling down on you? And that seems like where the play, practice, play model, yeah. it's a lot harder. And if you're doing it in a practice setting, but it's got game-like conditions, when it comes to a game, you're not going to be as afraid to use it or you're going to have more confidence in it. And that seems to be the whole thing is they, they believe and um, and then Coach Laudner as well that you can simulate game conditions to get some of these technical skills, practice and run outs uh, during the course of these practice, these game-like conditions. And that seems to be how they want it pushed forward. Now, that said, the Class D license is really kind of the end of the grassroots and i believe the c is when you start venturing away from that into the four parts practice parts and so yeah it's a different methodology when you go to the c is my understanding and who knows if they'll change that but um but yeah it's there's you know what the biggest thing for me is it's not that U.S. soccer wants us to do specifically this and I, i think it's good to learn different ways to coach Kids, because as I've I've found out a million times, you have to adjust on the fly a lot of the time. Like you don't get the same numbers you're expecting, or something's not working out, something's not quite right. You have to move the field size or whatever. You always have to be tweaking to to, and so being able to to know different methodologies and and how they work, that's important to have in your in your toolkit too. But um, for me, the most uh, I guess the most interesting part, the, the most um, uh, rewarding part of the weekend was talking to all the other coaches and getting ideas from them and what they do at their clubs. And it's, you know, you, like most of the time you see other coaches at other clubs when you're coaching against them and, and the idea that we're all in this together and we're all trying to figure out the best way to coach our kids to make them like soccer and keep playing it. That's cool. So I, I thought it was it was a very good experience. There is a lot of work ahead as far as homework, and then we have to go up and get tested in our ability to coach kids in a month, and uh, and then hopefully we'll we'll have D licenses after that, and maybe we'll go get a C next year. See what that's all about. Yeah, um, yeah, because you do have to wait a year, as we as we kind of found out as we were going through this, but. Um, I, I, I do agree that uh, the the fountain of knowledge that was there 
in our group, um, majority from were from Wisconsin. We had what one from one from Illinois, one from Massachusetts, or a couple from Illinois and one from Massachusetts. Other yeah, even the guy from Massachusetts was from Milwaukee originally, but um, but yeah, the there's a few people from Illinois and 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 mostly from Wisconsin, but it doesn't really, you know, it's the same game everywhere. So, um, it, and, and it is, and um, the fact that it's just this whole idea of let's just keep the kids playing, keep kids involved, active with soccer. Cause you never know what'll happen, but if they stop playing, then, you know, that's kind of, so that, that seems to be like the end game for us soccer is to try and just keep everybody going, get to the next level, get to the next one. Cause maybe at some point they'll, it'll, something will click and then they'll want to be in that four, you know, that C level and those top level Academy type games where it's not as much play practice, play focus. But, um, although I do get the sense that the play practice play model until you really get to 11 v 11 they want that all the way through until you hit that level it seems like yeah yeah they might change their mind next week though who knows but you never know I, it, it, this is it's always and if you do united soccer coaches stuff it's a different there's different methodologies in there of, of, of how to do things but like i said it's it's to me it's good to know everything it's and it's good to know like i'm i'm really enjoying getting into the theory of why this works over this or um i i think it's it's really interesting stuff that to, you know, to think about what you're saying to the kids or think about what you're running with the kids instead of just doing the same stuff that you always do. And, and it's, that's easy to do. Everybody's got a session or two that they can fall back on when they have given it no thought driving over to the facility. You know, you could, there's a, there's a session or two that, that I think every coach can do in their sleep. Um, but like to actually put thought into why am I saying this or why am I doing this, um, is a very good practice. Well, I was going to say, that seems to be the big takeaway, at least in my, the other big takeaway, at least in my opinion is the reflection that everything has reflect upon, reflect, reflect, look back, what worked, what didn't constant evaluate, reevaluating and making sure that what you're doing is successful. And if it's not, then finding another method within that system to work. And you say, you know, as you're saying, Hey, everybody's got a practice or two in their, in their, you know, in their head, they can do on the moment's notice. Basically part one, a big part of this is you shouldn't do that. You should always be planning and you should always be reflecting because when you get to that, that stale practice that you've done countless times, it might be successful, but Based on what you're reading, the, the idea is that you're constantly working to keep moving well, forward. Well, I mean, that's, that's yeah. part of it is that the, the one that always works is the one that I have a couple drills that I know will always work. If um, I can't say, oh, I just said, you can't say drills anymore. No, you can't. What is it? Um, no, great. Now, you're asking Practice, me this. Question. I don't remember. Activities? Activities. Activities. Yeah, but it's... Um, yeah, there's there's stuff that always works, and that's based on experience, and that's p- part of reflection is you know reflecting on your experience. But um, but yeah, it's the idea that just just in general, just think about what you're doing, and is it working? And also in general, making sure the kids enjoy what they're doing, and want to keep playing. No, it's, no, what it, it, yeah, you know we we make fun of. There's a certain point where you're like, God, that kid's in you know fifth grade and he's still playing rec soccer. 
that whole idea is stupid to me. Like, if, if, if you want to play soccer on a team and you don't ever expect to play professionally and you don't want to put thousands of dollars into it, but you just want to play on a team, that should be a thing that is available and that kids can do. That should, should be, be not a thing that's frowned upon. It, it should, should be, be embraced. That, yes. Yeah. It, it's just, it's, I want to play on a team right now. I would break myself if I did. Sure. But if playing is fun. So uh, I don't ever think that should go away. That's something we should make sure that we're, that should be first and foremost is making sure the kids are learning and enjoying. Sure. And, and I feel like, the, the beginnings of the, the play practice play model, what it will do is when you advance past that is it should keep a good enjoyment of the game. So for those who want to go forward, or at least have a good basis of loving the game, because that's the idea is you want to get them to love the game. And I want to kind of kind of wrap up with this, this part of our, our show. And I want to talk um, one thing. I, I remember when I did some of the early stuff, grassroots and, you know, on the even, I want to say back to the e-license or whatever and seeing in how to work with kids of those age groups, 4v4 being the U8s and then the 7v, U9 and U10 at 7v7, so on and so forth. Some of the tra- general traits of kids and just how to interact with kids. And do you feel like after going through all this, that it improve, you're improved as a parent? I mean, we're, we're, we're a show of a couple of dads, you know, how do you, yeah, the, the one thing that that I took away when I was dealing with my own kids after this experience was that sometimes when you're a parent and your kid's talking and they're bothering you or you're busy or they're saying something stupid, which happens a lot, you tend to blow them off and that can create a problem. And if you like, it's this idea that you give the kid unconditional attention, even if it's only for a little bit. Like if, if the kid has something that they want to tell an adult, the adult should listen. And, and that's something that like, I realized I did do with soccer players that I coach, but I don't always do with my own kids because sometimes I'm tired or sometimes I'm busy or sometimes I'm trying to accomplish something quickly and they, they want to talk to me about, you know, whatever ridiculousness they want to talk to me about. And yeah, that is, I, and it, and we think about their little brain, it's, it's forming and it's, it's, you know, they, they want to you know, feel and important and valid too. So I think that's important. Sure. That's and, important. And, and the things that are important to their little brain are def, usually not things that are important to us, but they are important to them. And I, I do agree. That was the one, the one thing I was kind of going for. And I'm glad you did fill that in is just the, the unconditional attention and and maybe the other part is with the was the, the performance management section of basically dealing with parents, and that's something you can take away with professional. I, I feel like professionally as well, getting an established set of rules, enforcing the set of rules, and at least giving people an opportunity to provide feedback. Whether what you do with that feedback is your choice, but at least you're giving opportunities periodically for those you in, encounter in your professional world to provide feedback as well. So. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. So, so we survived the first weekend. Um, I, I felt at times it was we felt we survived the dog show weekend. That was also yeah. The hotel that TJ found us in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, was basically home base for 
Yashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashkashk
it's a lot of work. It, it, if you're listening and you couldn't care less about coaching, but you wonder what the Federation is doing to train coaches, if, if you only take away this, know this. Even for a D license, it's a tremendous amount of time and work. It's 40 hours in a classroom or, or on fields actually coaching and being evaluated. And then it's, it's extra work doing planning, session planning, parent meetings, game planning, um, self-reflection, all sorts of things. It may not be what you think is what should be taught, but it's not a blow off. We we're going to cut six hours short. We don't actually have to do the work type thing. Like some other things. If we get this piece of paper, it is earned. So it, it, it absolutely isn't, which kind of, I want to say surprised me is when we got up there, we're like, there's no way we're going to be here all day. And we were there all day for both for to Friday. To the point where we rushed through a couple things, yeah, because we were running out of time. Correct. They 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 definitely did not skimp up. But even our grassroots, uh, the in-person courses, they weren't cut short either. You, you find grassroots went long. Correct. And that, I was gonna say, and that's what you find is these. Co- the one thing I will say with these U.S. soccer coaches classes, both the grassroots and the D, because that's the only ones we can talk about with experience, is. They definitely like to use peer interaction as a way to teach, try to get the best out of everybody, the best ideas out of everybody to try and spur knowledge into the other. And I think it's a great method. I think there's a whole lot of knowledge on these soccer fields, and I think it's a great way to to use that, to interact and say, hey, in the framework of what U.S. soccer wants to teach, how would you, what do you think is the best method? What do you guys all think? What are you using for methods that would fit into this methodology? Into this methodology? and go from there so i thought that was you know like i said that's a great thing and we spent a lot more time on that than i thought we would so i would say let's it's late because we had a couple of technical issues as we got started and i'm gonna blame chris for that just because the even though he's not here spirit causes technical technological issues all the time so chris it's your fault um we got the nwsl draft coming up tomorrow i'm sure there'll be yeah, there's a great write-up on Hot Time in Old Town for that. There will be a recap, I'm sure, tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, so. there's been about 57 trades so far, so I expect more tomorrow morning. Um, as it stands, at this time of recording, late on Wednesday night, the Red Stars are picking fourth and fifth. Correct. But that could change. You never know. Cause this is, it seems like, and the fact that they are now trading allocation money like uh, like MLS does... Just very MLSy. Very MLSy, but yeah. I guess you got to start somewhere if you're going to spend money over the cap. How you work around that? So, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll have something on that next week. I'm sure the Fires roster will be a lot more in place, and we'll be getting close to the end of camp. Nope, we still got a couple more weeks. Of camp cupcake, don't we? Yeah, I think so. I, I think uh, next week's show to tease ahead. If all goes as planned, I will have just uh, talked to Raphael Vicky. He's got a news conference scheduled for next week, so an introductory thing. Um, so we shall see. And Alex, we did we did see your question. Sorry, I do want to finish with this about. Yeah, the, um, that was a good question. Why didn't you build that into the show? Oh, you know what? Let's talk. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, real you know fast. what? We're still not at an hour. We can definitely do that. Um, Alex asked. Uh, rank all of the men's national team coaches between 1990 and today was it was did he use 1990 as the as the... he did okay 1990 so, 
1990 to present. So 1990 to present would include, it'd be the end of Gansler. Gansler. John John Kowalski, who only had. For like a game. Yeah, he can't be. Bormoltenovich. Steve Sampson. Bob Bradley. Bruce. Bruce. Bruce, Jurgen. Jurgen Bruce. Yep. Two non-consecutive terms for Bruce. Correct. um, Yeah, that's right. So when Bruce, Bob, Jurgen, Bruce, Sarek, and, and Triple G, correct? Correct. So, do we want to start at the bottom, or do we... I think the bottom is relatively easy. I think that's an easy one. That's Steve Sampson. Um, France makes it so, yes. And maybe not everything was his fault there, but but yeah. And I, I don't know that you can include Kowalski and Sarekin, really. Correct. I think they're kind of... I don't think they're at the bottom. I just... I don't think it's fair to judge there. Uh, okay, yeah, fair, fair enough. Yeah, fair, if we're gonna, we'll exclude Sarakin and we're gonna include Kowalski just for the simple fact of Sarakin was always a caretaker. He was never even seriously considered for the hire, so he didn't even get a chance to implement the system. It seemed like he was just trotting ideas out, basically saying, "Here's some ideas. Let's see what works." So, if I'm doing, if I'm doing a top three, I think. This I, to weird. me, Bruce is to me. Bruce has to be number one. It he does because of two thousand two, but like he's because he's like the Grover Cleveland of U.S. soccer, and he's got the two non consecutive terms. He was there in Trinidad as well. True. I don't put that fu- fully on him, but um, but yes, I think Bruce is number one, Bob's number two, and Jurgen's number three. And I disagree with you on. I'm not sure where I put him, but I don't know. You're moving Bora up. I'm moving Bora up. I'm definitely. I think. I. I. I think Bruce is number one. I think Bora is number two. Could be. For the that for getting him out of the group stages in the World Cup, I get it was on U.S. soil. I get it. Colombia had issues with the drug lords there, but that. It was with guys that weren't playing. That was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It was a huge deal. Yeah. And from there, I don't know if I want Bob Bradley, Jurgen, or Bob Gansler. Honestly, I I guess the only thing I could say is. You have to go with Gansler because of your Wisconsin connection. With my Wisconsin connection because he was a coach at UWM. But again, he took a bunch of college kids to the world cup in 1990 that was amazing i mean these were guys it really was think and, about it now. Then, like think about like think about how far we've come and we feel like we've regressed hardcore and we're not but if you look at the big picture like you step back like you're supposed to with the stock market so that you can see the overall trend we were taking college kids to that world cup in 1990 when we barely squeaked in and and now like we've got professionals playing in the premier league so we're on the up and up even though there was a nice big dip in 2018 (laughs) we're still on the up and up in this country as far as soccer goes and and then in that tournament that 1990 tournament in in rome they played italy to a one nothing loss i mean i get it they lost but to lose to italy one to nothing at home or in, in, in Stadio Olympico in Rome with a bunch of college kids. That's 
I'm sorry, that's that's a pretty darn good result, and that was um, and then like I said, and then Bora, what Bora did in '94, but and that's where where you start looking at. It. I mean, you give Klinsman credit because he did what Bradley couldn't do in getting him out of the group stage, you know, and that that there's a whole lot of debate to be had there. Bradley got them out of the group stage. That's Landon true. Donovan. Oh, that's right, Landon. Don- but then they then oh, that's right. I should say. He let me rephrase. Didn't. Yeah. Let me rephrase. Jurgen beat Ghana. Which Bob Bradley did not do. Uh, yeah. So, but that was, that, yeah. I mean, it, I, Jurgen made it just as far as Bradley did, though. Or just as right. far. Bruce is the only one who won that that first knockout game. So, but, but Bradley had those win had that Confederations Cup run in there as well. Yeah. Um, Beats Jurgen did okay in the uh, Copa America. Um, but yeah, if you think about it, it's got to be Bruce because not only for his contributions to the game and yes, the, uh, the fact that he was coach of the team at the moment, they didn't qualify as, is a big knock on his resume, but he was a handball away from a semifinals. Correct. Think of that. So yes, uh, Bruce is our winner. Bruce is our winner, and then to me, I still think I'm going to leave Bora at number two. Okay, I'll go with Bob. Okay. And then I would put Bob at number three, I think. So. I'll go... I have, a, I have a place in my heart for Jurgen. I'm going to put him number three. That's not a knock on Bora. Okay, yeah, fair enough. So, okay, we've we so covered very that. very little agreement, but we agreed yep. on the winner. And we agreed on the bottom. That's true. So, hey, it's a start. And I'm guessing if we brought, fi- I'm guessing if we brought conspiracy kiss Chris in, we'd have a completely different argument going on too. So, this is one I think we could come back to another time and probably discuss, maybe discuss in more detail. Show. But... You know what? These evergreen topics like that mm-hmm. are a great show when nothing else is going on. But I feel like we got some things that are going to be coming up. So things are going to be coming up. That is for sure. So let's wrap. Let's wrap this one up. Do you have any any other final thoughts on this one? Pat for the day? No, just feeling good about everything right now, TJ. All righty. So this is the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod. We can be found at Minivan Dad Pod. Pat can be found at, at Patrick McCraney. I can be found at Minivan Dad Pod or at TJ Zaremba. Um, sign, subscribe on, we're on iTunes, we're on SoundCloud, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google Play. We should do a Patreon, but I'm not sure anybody would pay for this. I'm not sure I would pay for it. Yeah. But we, but we do have t-shirts. We did. They're no longer in print. They are no Maybe there will be another run of them soon. Maybe. You never know. So anyway, everybody, thanks for listening. Please tell your friends. Advance, you know, keep keep the word out there. And we'll be back next week with more news on, I'm sure, the U, on the fire, on the Red Stars, and U.S. soccer. Because even the offseason seems like there's not not a slow period anymore. And we're... Three weeks was it three weeks away from the Jersey extravaganza. So on oh, that note it's gonna be a good show. That'll be a good one, but we got a couple in between. So on that note, you're done. Mm-hmm.